بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في القرآن المجيد بعد عوض بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قد أفلح المؤمنون الذين في الذين هم في صلاتهم خاشعون والذين هم عن اللغو معرضون صدق الله العظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ما من مسلم يتوضأ فيحسن وضوءه ثم يقوم فيصلي ركعتين مقبل عليه ما بقلبه ووجهه إلا وجبت له الجنة أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام Respected friends, elders and brothers Previously we spoke about the importance of dua and the importance of regularity in salah as well as uh, coming to the masjid to perform it and moving forward with that the, in order to get our salah accepted in order to get our dua accepted one of the basic things obviously for a person to do and to ensure that we are always improving on is the quality of our prayer and not simply performing it but rather that make it worthy of quality like we always speak about the quality of life the quality of the food that we eat Improving the quality of every single thing uh, Quality, control That's part of the system here it, It's not sufficient to just get it done But it has to make sh- We have to ensure that it fulfills the basic requirements not, And not just that But goes beyond that to a higher notch it's Constantly and consistently We are trying various methods To improve all sorts of aspects of our work and the same can be said and must be said about our salah. That as we have been performing this for years and years, alhamdulillah, uh, since childhood, what is the quality of our salah and where does it stand today? The Prophet ﷺ mentioned in a hadith which I just recited at the beginning that, the pro- that any Muslim who performs uh, wudu and he does a good job, he performs his wudu also beautifully, ensuring that the etiquette are kept in mind, water is not being wasted, sunnah is being followed, entire limbs, uh, the elbows, the ankles, and these are very common spots where we leave it dry, of course, are, are taken care of, a person is rubbing his hands, rubbing his feet, uh, putting his fingers between the toes, making sure we're doing khilal, and making sure that between the fingers as well of the hands, that we're any, if there's any possibility of water not going through, that we are ensuring that water is reaching by rubbing our fingers together. Uh, and ensuring that the masah is done over the head properly, etc. Doing so properly, and then comes to perform salah. Two rakah, just two rakah. Does a proper wudu and prays two rakah salah. Muqbilun alayhima biqalbihi wa wajhi. But this two rakah salah is such that a person is in putting his heart into it. Muqbilun, a person is focused with his heart. Wa wajhu. As well as his face, meaning he is not looking around. Not only is his heart devoted to this two rakah, but his mind and his face is also, all his limbs are also focused. Except illa, what do you get out? What do we get for two rakah salah? Illa wajabat lahul jannah, but that paradise becomes obligatory for him. Simply by performing two rakah salah with quality, Allah Azza wa Jal is willing to make us from the people of Jannah. Because in order to do that, a person really has to feel that they're in the presence of Allah. Consistently throughout the prayer from wudu towards the time we say salam, shaitan will be attacking us. And for us to resist all of that uh, and to be focused in our wudu and salah requires us to have love of Allah, to have fear of Allah, to have the belief that we are in His presence. And that of course inshallah will become a means of a person gaining paradise. Allah Azza wa says in the Qur'an, Indeed, the believers 
have gained ultimate success. And Allah Azza wa Jal then further explains the quality of the believers whereby they become worthy of this success. And the first is, الَّذِينَهُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ They are the ones who are uh, performing their prayers with concentration, with humility. Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Al-Baqarah, قُومُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ Stand up for Allah in the state of humility and humbleness, with utmost concentration. So the qunut, part of qunut, قُومُوا لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ When Allah says, stand up as a qanit, it means that a person follows through all the aspects of prayer properly. When a person is performing the ruku', uh, when a person is performing the sujood, a person is keeping their gaze cast down. Um, we speak about the etiquettes with parents, etiquettes with elders, the etiquettes with people of authority. And one of those things is that we don't look at them into the eye and speak to them. We look, we look, we look down and we, if we are feeling the presence of this individual, of this mighty leader or our, or our parent, a grandparent, a person feels ashamed at times and a person feels shy and looks down. So this is part of the etiquette with Allah Azza wa Jal when you and I stand up in front of Him every single day that we are not looking left and right. We are not looking in front of us. Instead, we keep ourselves, our eyes focused on the ground as humble servants. And think about the, just the posture of putting our hands, you know, the different methods of course, but the method for example, of putting the hands uh, below the, uh, the belly is again of that of, of humility. When a person simply looks down, imagine you're sitting here and someone comes and stands in front of you with their eyes cast down and their hands down low like this below the, their navel. What is that? That's a posture of humility, isn't it? And that's exactly what we are trained to do in front of Allah Azza wa Jal every single day when we pray. That keep the heart and the mind as well as the limbs humble in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the commentators have explained, Al-Khushu' mahallahu al-qalb. Two words have been mentioned, Khushu' and Khudu' in prayer. So Khushu' is, the place of Khushu' is the heart. And it manifests itself on the limbs. So when, when the Khushu' gets ruined, and a person doesn't have Khushu' then it creates heedlessness, ghafla within a person. It creates wasawis, whisperings within a person. And then, فَسَدَتْ عُبُودِيَّةُ الْأَعْضَاءِ The limbs are no longer able to manifest true servitude and slavery to Allah Azza wa Jal. Because, فَإِنَّ الْقَلْبَ كَالْمَلِكِ The heart is like the king. وَالْأَعْضَاءُ كَالْجُنُودِ And the limbs are like the subordinate peons or foot soldiers of this king. بِهِ يَأْتَمِرُونَ they, they follow the orders of the king. وَعَنْ أَمْرِهِ يَسْطُرُونَ فَإِذَا عَزَلَ الْمَلِكُ وَتَعَطَّلَ بِفَقْدِ الْقَلْبِ لِعُبُودِيَّتِهِ يَتَزَلْزَلْ وَيَتَلَوَّنْ He says, when the heart loses focus, it's as though the king has been dethroned. And when the, the king has been dethroned, what's going to happen to the foot soldiers? They're obviously not going to be able to do anything. They're going to run for their lives. And that's what happens, is that the fear and the humility and humbleness from the limbs disappear. As Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam saw a person playing with his beard during prayer. And he mentioned at that instance, or something in that similar type of incident, he said, If there was khushu' in this person's heart, 
then it would have definitely been manifested in the limbs. The fact that we have the time or, or, or the heedlessness to, to straighten out the beard, to straighten out the clothes, to, uh, to, to remove something from the carpet, etc., etc., means the heart is disconnected. The king has been dethroned. And that's why the limbs aren't listening. The eyes are not listening. The hands and the feet are not listening. They're all over the place. Because the central power, has been, the connection with the central power is gone. So the focus is on the heart first, and then the limbs will follow suit. The Prophet ﷺ has mentioned in hadith, أَوَّلُ شَيْءٍ يُرْفَعُ مِنْ هَذِي الْأُمَّةِ الْخُشُوعِ حَتَّى لَا تَرَى فِيهَا خَاشِعًا the very first blessing that will be lifted up from this ummah, that will be snatched away from this nation, is concentration in salah. And a time will come then, that you will go and visit a community or a masjid, for example, a group of people, and you will not find even a single person performing their prayer properly. Everyone will be praying, but how many of theirs' prayer is going to get accepted? Everyone is praying, but how many of them know what was being recited? Everyone is praying, but how many of them actually feel that they're in the presence of Allah Azza wa Jal? Regarding some of the, uh, the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, how was their performance of their prayer? It's mentioned about Abdullah ibn Zubair, إِذَا قَامَ لِلصَّلَاةِ كَأَنَّهُ عُودٌ مِنَ الْخُشُوعِ وَكَانَ بَعْضٌ يَنْفَتِرُ مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ مُتَغَيِّرُ اللَّوْنِ لِقِيَامِهِ بَيْنَ يَدَيَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ the Abdullah ibn Zubair, when he would stand in front of Allah for salah, it was though as though he had become a pillar of humility, a pillar of humbleness. And many of them, when they would come, uh, when they would come back from salah, when they would walk away from salah from the masjid, you would see as their face, the color of their faces had been changed because they have just walked away from standing up in front of Allah like someone who comes after an interview. And a very hard interview, or a very tough interview, or an interview where they were standing in the presence of some powerful person who can, with a pen, decide where their future is. What would happen to that person even after the interview is over? The heart rate is high. Uh, there's, the blood pressure is high, possibly. They might be sweating. So the Sahaba who would feel the presence of Allah, they turn back from the Salah, feeling that they have just come back from the presence of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَبَعْضُهُمْ يَصْفُرُ وَجْهُ إِذَا تَوَضَّعَ لِلصَّلَاءِ And some of them would, their faces would change color when they would be performing wudu. فَقِيلَ لَهُ إِنَّا نَرَاكَ إِذَا تَوَضَّعْتَ لِلصَّلَاةِ تَغَيَّرَتْ أَحْوَالُكَ Someone mentioned to them that why do we see that when you are performing wudu, the color of your face is changing. قَالَ إِنِّي أَعْرِفُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ مَنْ سَأَقُومُ He said the reason that is happening is because I know in whose presence I'm about to stand. Maybe you don't know. But I know in whose presence I'm about to stand, and the effect of that is obviously expressed in my face. In anticipation and preparation for salah, he would shiver, and his color of his face would change. So someone said to him, Malak, what's with you? He says, I swear by Allah the time has come for me to present that trust which Allah Azza wa Jal had offered the heavens and the earth and the mountains to accept it, but they refused to accept it, and I had accepted that. He's referring to an ayah of the Quran, the last verses of Surah Al-Ahzab, where Allah Azza wa Jal says, Inna We offered the trust of being explained by, by scholars, 
of, uh, of being representatives of Allah on earth. We offered this ala samawati the heavens. Would you like to become a representative? Would you like to become a representative? Ala samawati wal and the earth, wal jibal and the mountains. Fa'abain, they refused. They said, this is too much for us. وَحَمَلَهَا insan, The human being said, I'm ready for it. So he says, I accepted that which the mountains and the heavens and the earth refused to do so. And now it's a time for check-in. You're checking in. How well did you fulfill that responsibility? Why else? Uh, how would my color not change? So how, many, how can one attain this level of concentration, devotion, salah, so that when we walk away, we don't feel like, why did I come here in the first place? What was the purpose of this whole activity? What was the purpose of this activity? People nowadays are, 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 are speaking about, they have this discussion, what do I get out of prayer? Why should I pray? I'm sure we've all heard of these type of conversations going on. Uh, what does it give me, etc. It's you're right. If we don't give anything to salah, salah is not going to give us much. If you put something in it, you will get something out. But if I don't put much in it, if I don't put much preparation for it, I am definitely not going to get much out of it either. So one of the things is that, Performing our wudu properly, including our siwak, our, the tooth stick that was the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, that's one of the first things that we can do. That when we do our wudu, start off from there. Let me realize, it's not a quick in and out thing. Yes, it can take one, two minutes, don't, don't waste the water, but realize that why am I doing wudu? I'm doing wudu to stand in front of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's I, as I wash my limbs, inshaAllah, my sins are falling off from every portion of my body. Focus on that As I am making siwak And I am beautifying myself Cleansing myself Putting on itar etc Why am I doing it? Because I am going in the presence of the Lord And standing in front of Him And I want to be in my best uh, presentation I mentioned before that we had Manana Sheikh Hashim over here A couple months ago And he was spent a week here Did programs at Darus Salaam And one of the things You know that those around him were saying And we noticed this as well that the time, you know, we have times of the day or times of the week when we dress up. When do people, you know, men and women both dress up, comb their hair, put on whatever they need to put on, etc. Usually before you go to work, before you go for a meeting. And for him, the time he would dress up the most, and he continues, mashallah, to do so, may Allah give him long life and health and barakah and his ilm and his amal, is at 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Is, is dressing up. Wearing his koti, wearing his kurta, you know, combing his beard, oiling it, putting his turban nicely, making sure everything is set nice. Because now it's a time for tahajjud. It's a time to stand in front of Allah Azza wa Jal. And I want to be in my best form. Allah Azza wa Jal says that, زِينَتَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ That ensure that you beautify yourself. Khudu, take zina, beauty. Take it on and beautify yourself عِنْدَ كُلِّ masjid Every time you pray, every time you do sujood. It starts from there. If someone just disheveled, sweaty, unprepared, off the court, Allahu Akbar. We're not putting in anything into it. Yes, I know we have to pray whenever we get the opportunity every single time, but we have to prepare a few minutes before that. Would we go up for an interview like that? Would we have a meeting like that? If our, our mouth is not smelling properly, if we have bad odor, body odor, mouth odor, whatnot. Obviously not. So when a person himself doesn't prepare very basically for salah, the salah is not going to be able to give you much. Because we haven't invested enough in it. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam also mentioned the fact that a person should relieve himself before using, before performing salah. It's not like, let me quickly perform my salah and then use the restroom. Because why? When ulama have actually written that this is makru, it's reprehensible to perform the salah when a person has to use a restroom. Obviously, when a person has to use a restroom, he's not going to be able to be focused. So you'd rather take your time. If it means you miss your jama'ah because of that, 
Unfortunately, that's not good to miss the jama'ah, but it's still, if a person really has to relieve himself or herself, they should complete that first. Because you don't want any need, impending need that I'm, I, as soon as my salah, as soon as my salam is finished, I have to run to the bathroom. That shouldn't be there. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he said, إِذَا أَرَادَ أَحَدُكُمْ أَنْ يَذْهَبَ إِلَى الْخَلَاءِ وَقَامَتِ الصَّلَاةِ فَلْيَبْدَأْ بِالْخَلَاءِ If any one of you needs to go to the bathroom, but, and salah has begun, begun, salah has begun, ensure that you first go to the bathroom. Relieve yourself. You, you may have heard that as well, that when there's extreme hunger, not the hunger that you and I probably go through once in a while, because we're eating multiple meals, mashallah, but it's rather talking about the hunger when a person has not had food for a very long time. And then the food has comes. Even in that instance, a person is told that go ahead, eat first. Then pray. This is not the normal circumstances. We're talking about people who are in extreme hunger and food has come now. Let them eat first. Because if they were to start their prayer while the food is out there, they will be interested in quickly performing the salah to go eat. Many times in our get-togethers, family get-togethers and weddings, etc., we'll say, Jaldi jaldi namaz pad lenge taake baith ke aram se hum khaye. Jaldi jaldi namaz se fareh ho jayen taake baith ke aram se khana khaye. And we quickly, let's wrap up our salah and then we can sit down and relax and eat the meal together. So that's what we're speaking about. That's a complete opposite etiquette. A person should instead, um, at that time, would say, fine, I understand. People will start leaving towards the end of the gathering. People now have wudu, etc. So we understand the benefit of performing salah first. But let's change the wording. Because what's in the heart comes out on the tongue. What's in the heart comes out on the tongue. So how about, alhamdulillah, we perform our salah nicely so that no one's in a rush. It's the beginning of the party. Everyone's fresh, it's still 7 p.m., 8 p.m. Let's pray for our salah nicely and then alhamdulillah we'll go to our, our food and enjoy the rest of the evening as well. So ensure that even when speaking about our salah, be careful about the words that we use. As we shouldn't be using, let's quickly pray, let's wrap up. Who prays quickly, that's, you know, that's individually, but as organizers, as those who are setting up things, we need to refrain from that. Instead say, let's perform our salah nicely, inshallah, together, and then head over to our meals, for example. So we talked about doing a proper wudu. We talked about uh, ensuring that we are uh, uh, rest, rested and, and, and there's no need, specific need that we have. A person, while we're speaking about uh, beautification or wearing good clothing, one of the things is that a person should try to um, ensure that the clothing he wears is loose clothing so that our body, the physique of our body is not exposed. Because remember, one is... Uh, a person not wearing clothing at all or, or, or exposing the satar, his skin is exposed. And one is a, a person wearing such tight clothing that although the skin is not exposed, but the complete physique of the body is exposed. And that is also against most definitely the etiquette of clothing, generally speaking, and clothing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we stand. Many times we have uh, our, our, our clothing, our t-shirts and, and jeans, etc. It's a very common problem all over. That because of this, when a person goes into sujood, a person's not just skin becomes exposed, but the satr becomes exposed. That part which is mandatory to be covered. After which, if it is exposed, it's haram for anyone to see it, haram for us to expose it, and most definitely our salah breaks as well. How many times we see that happening? Because we're not thinking. We have these high, you know, tight t-shirts and tight or low light riding jeans, and a person performs salah without realizing that my salah is actually not being accepted, and I'm ruining the salah of other people behind me as well. So we need to ensure that when we come to the, to the masjid or perform salah at home or wherever we are, that the clothing is also uh, such that it completely covers our whole body as well. A person would never like to be called a thief. If any one of us were to be accused by our co-workers 
to being a thief at work, a thief in the masjid. Thief at work is bad. Thief at masjid is worse. But imagine being called a thief in salah. That is the worst possible thing that could happen. And Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, that is why I mentioned in the authority of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, radiallahu anhu, inna aswa an-nasi sariqa. The worst person when it comes to stealing. There are so many things you can steal from. But the worst person when it comes with regards to stealing is alladhi yasriqu salatahu, that the one who steals from his salah. قَالُوا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهُ وَكَيْفَ يَسْرِقُهَا The companion said, O Prophet of Allah, how does a person steal from his prayer? قَالَ لَا يُتِمُّ رُكُوعَهَا وَلَا سُجُودَهَا It's that person who does not perform the postures of ruku' and sajda properly. He does a very quick ruku' and very quick sajda. It's as though he's stealing from his prayer. So we've been warned here that if we are in a rush, pray, you can't pray eight, pray four, pray two, but pray slowly. And these are the habits we learn from a young age. So those of us, mashallah, many of us sitting here have younger children. I advise myself and advise you that don't say, okay, please just praying. I'd rather a five-year-old pray once a day. I'd rather a seven-year-old pray once a day. But slowly. So he learns that if I'm going to pray, I've got to pray in this etiquette. Timed that your two rakat salah cannot take you more, less than two minutes. Because if we as parents and fathers and mothers ensure that that happens at a young age, they will learn that salah is something which takes a while. I can't do it quickly. I always mention this story that I had a classmate, I still remember him. We'd ever, you know, when we're studying, uh, and we'd say, hey, you know, we got to catch the bus or we got to go to this trip. Let's pray our salah, you know, quickly. And he gets enraged and he would f- shout back and say, I can't pray salah fast, so don't ask me to do that. Right? I can't pray for, for salah fast. That's just that's something I don't do. Tell me not to pray. But don't tell me that I, can, I pray fast. Yeah, you can, you can read Qulullah Wahad. But up and down, kiss the ground type of thing is not any good training for our kids. It starts from a very young age. Timed. But just slow it down and, make, and bring those postures nicely. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he explained another hadith. مَثَلُ الَّذِي لَا يُتِمُّ رُخُوعَهُ وَيَنْقُرُ فِي سُجُودِهِ مَثَلُ الْجَائِعِ يَأْكُلُ التَّمَرَ وَالتَّمْرَتَيْنِ لَا يُغْنِيَانِ عَنْهُ الشَّيْئَةِ Allahu Akbar. What an example he gave to the Arabs of that time who could connect with this. He said the example of the one who doesn't perform his ruku in sajda properly. He's doing the ruku, he's doing the sajda. You can't do five times, you can't do seven times, you can't do nine times, three times. But just, just these 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, right? At least three seconds. He says, the example of the one who performs his ruku in sajda, but doesn't do it properly, is like a hungry person who is suffering the pangs of hunger, and he takes one or two dates and eats that. Is that going to help him overcome his hunger? No. Similarly is a person who performs his ruku in sajda quickly. Yes, he's done it for the sake of doing it, but it's not really going to give him any benefit. No spiritual benefit, no dunya we benefit, not whatever the case may be. And lastly, we'll end with a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. A person came to the Prophet sallallahu He said, "Oh Prophet of Allah, I want you to teach me something, but make it short. Make it short." This is the companions. It's like I want to. I can't retain too many long things. Give me something simple and sweet that I can hold on to. He said, okay. قَالَ إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى قُمْتَ فِي صَلَاتِكَ فَصَلِّ صَلَاتَ مُوَدِّعَ Whenever you stand up to pray, ensure that you pray as though this is your last prayer. مُوَدِّعَ is the one who's saying وِدَاعَ The one who's not going to pray after that. This is the, you know, he's about to be killed right after. For example, this is the last prayer of his life. 
And that's true. We don't know how many more salah we have after this. Majority of people out who die in car accidents or, or other types of things, you know, heart attack or whatnot, the common diseases, do they really know that that was the last prayer? Most probably not. Very few people know that this is my last prayer. Very, 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 very few people. Majority of people do not know that that's their last prayer and after that they die or they go into a coma or they go into the hospital. So for all of us, it's the same thing. How do we know how many more salah we have? Every single time we stand up, let's make it our last. Pray it as though it's last. And ensure that it's done in the proper etiquette. I pray to Almighty Allah Azza wa Jal that He allows myself and all of us here, our children, our parents, our siblings, and the entire community to work on improving the quality of our prayer. And that He allows us not to be content with the prayer that we learned in Sunday school or that we were taught to us by our grandparents 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years ago. But instead, the way we have built on our vocabulary, the way we have built on so many of our skills, motor skills and all the other skills, that we continue to improve on the quality of our salah as we grow older. And that we can make our salah meaningful so that not only can we get the needs of this world fulfilled, but we can also get the needs of the hereafter fulfilled.